Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4 says, Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Read that again. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory, everybody say the glory. That becomes important here in a few minutes. Of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Praise God. Today I want to talk about faith, grace, and resurrection power. Faith, grace, and resurrection power. I believe as dark as things are and as dark as things are be- and, and darker they are becoming, that that just gives you and me greater opportunity to shine. Amen. One of the things I discovered a long time ago is that... Um, if it's dark enough, you can see even the smallest light. You know, we used to sing that in, school, in Sunday school. Did you ever sing that? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Well, you know, and, or we see people with candlelight vigils and they get these little white candles with a round piece of you know, cardstock underneath it to keep the wax from dripping on them and everything, and they hold them up. And you know, if it's dark enough, you can see one of those actually miles away. Absolutely. I mean, if it's dark enough, you can see it from a considerable distance. And it's time for us to shine. We are shining and we just need to be aware of it so that we can, we can, we can stay close to God and allow him to turn up the wattage. Everybody say amen. amen. All right. Jesus walked this life is our example. He modeled the life of grace for all of us. A lot of people think of grace as forgiveness and when you think of grace as forgiveness, it doesn't seem to make sense about it applying to Jesus walking the life of grace. But if you, if you know scripture and you know theology, you know that the grace of God is the power of God that is made available to us. Through faith, everybody say amen. In fact, in Luke chapter 2 and verse 40, from the New American Standard, it says the child, capital C meaning Jesus, continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom and the what? Grace of God. Now, in most many of the English translations, it translates it favor. And that's not a bad rendering, but the word is grace. The grace of God was upon him. I was talking with Aaron, who is in the midst of a new season in his life with doors that are opening before him and people. God has just been supernaturally putting people in his path and doing things. And I said, man, you just keep speaking Psalm 5, verse 12, over your life, where it says that 
Yahweh of God surrounds his righteous one with grace, with favor, as with a shield. You know what? We need to be claiming that. We need to be claiming that. Last week I handed out uh, uh, funny money. Yeah, movie money. And you know what? Even if, what if it, and, and Jim told me that he was talking to uh, Deborah and said, you should have been there at church on Sunday. The pastor was handing out $100 bills. And she said, no. And he said, yeah. And he said, I got one for you. He walked out of here with five and gave one to her. Go, wait a minute, where's, where's, the, where's the math on that? Anyway, but they were, they, it was movie money was what it was. It was, you know, it says copyright on it and all this stuff. But the point is that if somebody were to walk up to you and hand you, a, you know, a $100 bill or a whole stack of hundreds, if you don't take hold of it and accept it, it won't do you a bit of good. And in fact, the very Greek word lambano that means to, that is translated receive means to take hold of, means to accept. All right. And so notice this. I want to go back to that Luke 2 and 40 again. Remember, Jesus laid aside all of his divine prerogatives. It tells us that in Philippians. And he came and walked it out as a human, as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. Not as the second person of the Trinity, even though he did not cease to be very God of very God. He walked this life as a human being under the anointing. He even said, I can do nothing on my own initiative. What I see the Father do, that's what I do. I, what I, I don't speak anything unless the Father you know, speaks that. And so it goes on right here in Luke chapter 2 and verse 40. The child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. I submit to you that he was increasing in wisdom because the grace of God was upon him and that that grace was ministering that to him. That's the way faith works. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, which I somehow managed to not put on the sheet for the team back there, says, we are saved by grace through faith, and that grace, not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. We are saved, by grace you have, there it is, by grace you have been saved through faith. Imagine faith as the pipe through which the power, the grace of God flows. And somebody said, yeah, but that's talking about the born again experience. Believe me, that word uh, soteria, talking about south uh, or sozo, which uh, is the Greek word for salvation. Usually when it says, when the, when the woman, when Jesus turned to the woman with the issue of blood and, and she had told him all, he says, your faith has made you well. Literally in the text, it says your faith has saved you. In most places, when it talks about a healing, it says saved. And so, and we need salvation every day. We need salvation at the checkout line at the grocery store. We need salvation at the gas pump. We need salvation just, you know, moving through certain parts of town. All right? And so that's the way it works. Faith in God opens the door for God's grace to flow on our behalf. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through first part of 9, again from the NAS. Because Now, this is when Paul was asking. Remember, he said there was a, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason... 
to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. I have heard people get up and say, well, this was a physical ailment where Paul had ophthalmia because he said to the Galatians, I bear you witness that you would have plucked your eyes out and given them to me, you know, had I needed it. And they say, you know, Paul had an eye disease that he couldn't, was, that God refused to heal, and that is poppycock and balderdash. There's absolutely, they, they, they base that on 365 pages of no scripture. There was a hitman demon where it says to torment me, it means to slap me around, to buffet me, to attack me. And everywhere he went, he had revival and riot. Amen. I mean, he's all, and concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. Get this thing off my back. And he has said to me, my grace, everybody say grace, is sufficient for you. Then he goes on to say, for power is perfected, made complete in weakness. In other words, he goes on to say, for when I am weak, then am I strong. Why? Because when I am weak, that is when I am leaning on the Lord the hardest. How many of you discovered in your own life it's easy to look at a situation, think you have it under control, not pray about it, and just, you know, go ahead and do it. Sometimes that works out. Other times it's a blunder. All right? So he says, power, grace, my grace, my power is perfected in you or is sufficient for you because my power is perfected in, through, through faith in that weakness. Did you know that Jesus was raised from the dead by grace through faith? Absolutely. That is exactly the way you and I will be raised from the dead. Think about this. Jesus was the only one who believed he would rise from the dead. He was the only one. First of all, most of the apostles had no idea about what he was speaking when he talked about the Son of Man must be delivered up into the hands of sinners and crucified, and three days later he'll rise from the dead. And Peter got a glimpse of it and rebuked him. And they didn't believe it. They didn't believe it. You've heard me say this many, many times in this church. How do I know they didn't believe it? Because there was no crowd at the tomb holding up signs saying, Welcome back, Jesus. If they'd have believed it, they'd have been there. And when the women went, resurrection morning, it wasn't to see the risen Savior. They were coming to continue to work on the body. Yet, and so here's, here's, here's a lesson. Here's a nugget. Turn to somebody and say a nugget. Even if nobody around you believes it, if you do, God can still do it. Amen. Are you with me? Even if you're the only one. You might be the only one in your company that believes God's going to bless you. Well, the disciples didn't understand. There were no crowds at the tomb. Are you saying, Jesus, Pastor, wait a minute, do I get you right? To, he was raised by uh, grace through faith? Exactly. Jesus did nothing on his own initiative in this life, in his earthly ministry. It was all by the Father through the Holy Spirit. Remember when he was having the debate with the Pharisees even, when 
He said, but if I, by the Spirit, cast them out, they were saying he casts out spirits by Beelzebul, the ruler of the spirits. And he said, if I cast out, you know, he talked about kingdom being, or the house being divided against itself, how can it stand? He said, but if I, by the Spirit of God, cast out wicked spirits, then you know the kingdom of God. He didn't cast them out himself. The Father did it through the Holy Spirit with Jesus operating as an anointed, obedient man. We're not splitting theological hairs here. This becomes very important. Jesus did not raise himself from the dead. The Father raised him from the dead. Are you hearing me now? Okay. The paradigm of Jesus being a spirit-anointed man did not end on the cross. It will never end because he is our elder brother and head of the church perpetually. All right? In Galatians chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul, an apostle, this is his greeting, not sent from men or through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him, meaning Jesus, from the dead. Jesus didn't just say, okay, it's time and get up. No, the Father raised him by grace, by his power, through faith. Acts chapter 5 and verse 30. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. Peter's just giving it to him straight. The God, the God of our fathers, that would be Yahweh, you guys, in case you don't know who that is, whom you, you know, raised up Jesus. Uh, Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. There, we just read it a few minutes ago. Therefore you have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through, by means of, by the instrumentality of the glory of the Father. The glory of the Father and the Spirit of the Father are synonymous. You know, we say, oh, the glory of God was there. We mean the Spirit of God was in manifestation. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. It is this Holy Spirit, the Father raised Jesus from the dead through his Holy Spirit, through his glory. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, he says, Paul says, For indeed he was crucified because of weakness, yet he lives because of the what? Power of God. The grace of God. For we also are weak in him. Now I love that. The word asthenia there, translated weakness. When they say, well, it was in first, Second Corinthians 12 and in 13. Where he said, where, you know, 2 Corinthians 12, we just read about this thorn in the flesh, this weakness. And when he tells the Galatians it was because of, you know, bodily infirmity, weakness of the flesh, literally. In other words, it was because of sinful men that I preached the gospel to you the first time because at Lystra they stoned me. Sinful men. And he says, weakness of the flesh. And, they, and if you want, and see the thing of it is, if 
what if that means sickness there, that Paul's referring to ophthalmia, then when he refers to weakness, the weakness there, for my, then he's referring to the ophthalmia. And so when God says to him, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is perfected in sickness. Does that make sense to anybody? How many of you are at your best when you're sick? I had COVID. Didn't enjoy it at all. I was not at my best. My wife can tell you that. Now my wife has type O blood. She had a light cough and a little fatigue for two days and was over it. That is so wrong. I had a come and go fever and fatigue and coughing and all that for like eight days getting over it. No fun whatsoever. I was not at my best. And being weak in God doesn't mean being sick. And again, one of the rules of hermeneutics, interpretation of the Bible is, when you use a word in a certain way, it means that through the rest of the, the writing, unless the author gives you clear understanding he's equivocating or she's equivocating and changing the meaning, which he does not. So when we get to 2 Corinthians 13 and 4, for indeed he was crucified because of sickness, that might live, and he lives because of the power of God. For we also are sick in him. No. It says, for indeed he was crucified because of our sinfulness and our inabilities. Yet he lives because of the power of God. For we also have inabilities in him. Yet we will live with him because of the power of God directed toward you. He's saying we are living, walking, talking, breathing manifestations of God's grace toward you. I want you to think about that. We had a prophetic utterance this morning about telling people about Jesus. A prophetic utterance about living the life of Jesus, but which will be included about that. Because, believe it or not, that is God's grace toward those people. It is a man. That is exactly what we're called to do. I don't think I've ever heard it put that way. I'm depending on you. Man, does that ever change the complexion of things? He is depending on us. But... You know, somebody might say, uh, he's got the wrong person. If he wants to depend on me to do the right thing all the time, he gives us grace. He gives us power. You know, when the first time God does something always stands out in your mind. I remember when Donna, one of our church members, 20, 30 years ago, had rheumatoid arthritis. I've talked about this before. But we had prayed for people. What? She's She's still doing awesome? That's good. That's good news. I mean, when the healing stuck, the disease left. But she had rheumatoid arthritis, and it was so bad that she didn't even have enough strength in her hand to hold a glass of tea. And she was sitting two or three rows back from the front. This is when we were over there on Nolan Road. We would prayed for the sick, and we're turning around. She didn't come, and we were walking back up toward the front. We didn't even have a platform at the time. It was just all flat and... And um, very humble beginnings, to say the least. And uh, as I'm walking up, Kathy tugs on me and says, I think you're supposed to pray for Donna. Now, I want you to think this through. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. 
I think you're supposed to pray for Donna. So I said to her, with a voice of authority, well, call her up here. You know, you're the one who's, <laughs> call her up here. So she turned around and went and got Donna and brought her to the front. And, I mean, Donna's struggling at this point. She's been to the doctor. They've got the x-rays to prove that she has rheumatoid arthritis and it's advancing quickly. And so I, I prayed for her. The whole congregation did. We prayed for her and she fell over. Now, you're not healed because you go down. And you're not not healed because you don't go down. Falling out has nothing to do with it whatsoever. But she went down. And after I'd prayed for her, I prayed for her, and she went down, and I turned, and I've told this story, I understand, but I, I, I started, took a couple of steps, and then I turned around and pointed at her, and in front of the entire congregation, I said, you watch, when she gets up, she'll be healed. And then turned back and walked and stood behind my little wooden pulpit that we still have back there. And by the time I got to the pulpit, that gift of faith or had lifted. And I'm going, rut row. What have I done? And when she, it took her a few minutes to wake up. And then once she got up, she had to be helped. She had to be driven home that day, I think. She couldn't even drive. She was so snockered. Just, and went back to the doctor and they could find no trace of the disease. Now look at the grace of God here. Look at the grace of God. First of all, I'm walking back and the grace of God prompts my wife to say to me to pray for Donna. A lot of people wouldn't think of it in those terms, but it is. And so it wasn't the grace of God. It was my weakness that said, well, go get her. <laughs> and so she came up the grace of God moved. And this wasn't, and I'm telling you, this, this wasn't a manifestation of gifts of healings. This was the gift of special faith in operation because it was imperative for me to turn and say from my lips, you watch, when she gets up, she'll be healed. I'm as convinced as I'm standing here that if I would have resisted that and not done it, she would not have been healed. You have to release it. Turn to somebody and say, God's depending on you to release it. Jesus lives because of the grace of God. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4 indicates, Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ, in the same way that Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk Live, breathe, eat, drink, sleep, minister, work, fellowship in newness. Everybody say newness of life. The old things passed away. New things have come. We have passed from death into life. We went from being way far off from God to being right up close to him. In fact, we are even called children. Somebody says, yes, we were adopted. No, we were not. Adoption there, he said to the Romans, because they adopted their own children. It wasn't until the toga virilis 
the adoption of the son, that the son actually, you could have six sons and only adopt one of them and five of them got nothing. The one you adopted is the one who is your heir. If you adopt them all, they're all your heirs. And so you and I were born again. We were born into this family. We were born into God's family. We are bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, spiritually speaking. That adoption of which Paul speaks means that we stand with full rights and privileges as heirs. Somebody should be running around this auditorium going, whoa, and giving Carl uh, a fit trying to keep up with that new camera. I can see him back there chuckling and praising the Lord. That isn't happening. (laughs) In John 20 and 22, we made reference to this particular evening earlier. Resurrection evening. After Jesus had risen from the dead, he appeared in their midst and they all went, "Ah!" and he said, peace be to you. Everybody calm down. It's all good. And when he had said this, he said, as the Father sent me, so send I you. Okay, once again, he was our example. The Father sent me in the same way I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. They were born again right then and there. It's an insufflation, as we would say, in uh, theological terms. But just because they were born again does not mean they're ready. Now, make no mistake, being born again is huge. It is crucial. It is indispensable. It is the most important in terms of your eternal destiny and mine and our spiritual status. There is nothing greater. Being born again, passing from death into life. Old things, 2 Corinthians 5, old things pass away, new things have come. We who were far off have been brought near now by the blood of Christ. You know, and whereas before we were strangers and aliens, now we are fellow citizens with the saints. Everybody say amen. amen. All right. But Jesus tells them, now, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Before you guys scatter here, uh, he tells them in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and following, Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to, but to, that's a four-letter word. That's a four-letter word. How many of you love to wait? Waiting is not my favorite thing. I went over here to Mickey D's to pick up some food the other day. And I pulled up and I ordered a number one, which is just a Big Mac, which I did not eat. And uh, an order of fries and an unsweetened tea. And I mean, you don't get any simpler than that. And I had, can you pull up there to the curb up there? I'm like, you don't have a Big Mac ready? Then, but they handed me the tea. They handed me the tea. And I got down there and I took the 
a little sleeve off of it and put the half sugar. It's like, man, slap you on both cheeks and call you stupid sweet. So I'm sitting there going, thank you, Father. Romans 5 says, tribulation worketh patience, patience proven character, and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint for the love of God. The love of God is shed upon abroad in my heart through the Holy Spirit who's given to me. And the young man comes out carrying my lukewarm fries and a Big Mac. And he hands them to me. And I said, I ordered unsweetened tea. This thing is full of sugar. He goes, I'll get you another one. I said, thank you. And I was very nice. Thank you. Come over here and let me bite your head off. <laughs> oh, they have it happen. Those poor people. You know. And he brought it out. You know. And why was I annoyed? And yes, I was annoyed. Because... I am not there for the who cuisine. I'm there for the speed, baby. Get, get me through. You make me wait. I want a discount. I want the $4.19 Big Mac. And I'm old enough to remember when you could buy a cheeseburger, a small fry, and a small drink for 98 cents. When I was in high school... We could go down to the McDonald's, which was four blocks away from my high school, and get that instead of eating in the cafeteria. I'd give them a dollar and they'd give me my food and change. No mas. The fact is, I was annoyed because I didn't want to wait. No wonder it says that part of the fruit of the Spirit. And by the way, the fruit of the Spirit comes in whether we have the Spirit upon us or not. When we have the Spirit within us, we are supposed to be exhibiting love. Colon. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. And everyone's favorite, self-control. Amen. But Jesus is saying, as good as all that is, don't you leave yet. Wait for what the Father had promised. This again is Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. Uh, wait for what the Father has, the Father had promised. Everybody say, the promise of the Father. Which, Jesus said, you heard from me. Because John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He told them to stay put until this, whatever it was, was going to happen. And in fact, that isn't the only thing he said about it, because over in Luke chapter 24... Luke talking about one of these post-resurrection appearances and perhaps even this time gives us a little more information in Luke 24, 49. And Jesus said this, And behold, I am sending forth the what? Promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are, now look at this, clothed with power from on high. Clothed with grace, clothed with power, clothed with anointing, clothed with ability, supernatural ability. Amen. Clothed with glory. 
I am telling you, if we could see into the spirit, which we can only do through discerning of spirits, I understand that. And the Lord, I've, I've had a couple of glimpses of that, but they, are, they were fleeting and um, very transient and only a couple of times. But if you could see into the spirit realm, you would be able to tell immediately those who belong to Jesus and those who do not. Because it says, as he is, so are we. Not will we be. As he is, so are we in this world. Everybody say amen. amen. It's a major change that's coming. It's not small potatoes. They've already got the indwelling Holy Spirit. But there is a grace that is coming, a, a definite grace that is coming that they haven't, you know, and there is going to be, you know, they had no idea what to expect. You shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You'll be clothed with power. Well, what's that look like? What's that sound like? How will we know? I mean, will we even know? You know, people say, well, I don't even know if God's saying something to me. Well, if you don't know, then you don't know. Don't be acting on stuff you don't know. But when, they, when, when he came, there were fireworks. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verse 17 says, when, you know, we know what happened. There was a sound of the mighty rushing wind and tongues of fire distributed them. We'll come to that in a minute. But Peter got up after everybody was gobsmacked and amazed at what was going on. Peter gets up and says, and he quotes Joel and says, and in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out. Everybody say pour out. Pour. Not sprinkle. Not sprinkle. We've got some plants at our house that you're supposed to just sprinkle a little bit of water on. There are other plants that you're supposed to pour water on them because they like getting a, they, they like having wet feet. They like a big fat drink. You know, what was that song they used to sing back in the day? There, you know, uh, mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. We were in Minnesota one time. We were up visiting Kathy's. This was when mom, her mom was still alive. And we'd visited mom. And, and we, we were, uh, no, it was when we were going to go eat with your relatives at the airport. Went out to, they have a nice restaurant in the Rochester, Minnesota airport, don't you know? And I mean, when we pulled up, there was a thunderstorm moving through. And the wind was howling out of the north. And rain was coming down in buckets. And I said, will you, and we weren't even going to get out of the car. Charles, wasn't it? Charles, your cousin, Charles. And we, we're sitting there watching and there's these big plate glass windows on the north side of the terminal building there. And you would, that's where you would go in to go and they have a restaurant in there. And I'm here to tell you, it looked like somebody was standing there with a mass or several somebody's are standing there with fire hoses hitting those those windows with water it was just it was hitting and ricocheting off and gobs of it were coming down that 
his outpouring. <laughs> that is, that, that's not sprinkling. I'm doing better preaching than you are amen. And I assure you. And all at once, you know, Peter, let's go back to what Peter said. And in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I, there will be an outpouring. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. You know, there are churches today that will tell us that prophecy is over. It's done. But that's not what this says. It says your sons and daughters shall. That's a volative. Shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. I've had visions and I've had dreams. So I don't know whether I'm old or young. The guy that led me into the baptism of the Holy Spirit said, the Lord showed him a vision and he, re he rejoiced in that. He said, that means I'm a young man. <laughs> you say, does that, do wait a minute. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men, and, and, and let's put the women in there too. Your, your, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men and your young women shall see visions. And your old men and old women shall dream dreams. Does that sound like newness of life? Does that sound like the grace of God? Does that sound like the glory of God on somebody to you? That doesn't sound like... Going through life, bumping along. Just kind of waiting for the next... Shoe to drop. No, no, no. And in Acts chapter 2 and verse 3, it says, And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing. And I've told you that I've seen these little, um, you know, they cloven. Cloven means distributed. That's what it means. And that's the way they use the word cloven in the King James. But it says distributing. In the, it says, and there appeared tongues as of fire distributing they, themselves and they rested on each one of them. Well, we even use that today, a tongue of flame. Well, when I was a little kid, I heard I was over at my Uncle Buddy's house and I was sitting in the back minding my own business doing something and I heard something start to roar. And I went, what is that? And I went to the back door what it was is a porch that used that was on the house, and he was a carpenter, so he had actually framed it in and made it a nice room back there. And there was a storm door there and everything, and it was facing, that would have been toward the north. And I opened the door, and the consumer's gasoline station, we had some gasoline stations in Tulsa that had called consumers. And that thing was fully involved in flame. It was fully on fire. There had been some sort of an accident at one of the pumps and gas was running everywhere and it was burning. People were running. It was roaring and there were tongues of flame and I assure you they weren't this big. You know, I've, I, 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 I saw a, a depiction that one guy had seen, one man of God had seen what God was going to do in the last days and people had flames coming off of their hands. Christians, Believers have flames coming off of their hands and flames coming off of their heads. And yeah, you could see the, the, the you know, because we call it a tongue because when fire goes up, it, come, it has a tendency to come to a point like a tongue does. And so it doesn't mean there's an actual tongue. And it doesn't even say tongues of fire. It says tongues as of fire. Tongues like Jose in the, in the Greek. Like Fire. It wasn't fire. If it had been fire, it would have burned them. 
Moses came up to a bush that looked like it was on fire, but it wasn't being consumed. Why? It was not on fire. The pillar that was over the tabernacle in the wilderness looked like a pillar of fire, but it wasn't fire. When Yahweh came down to Mount Sinai. There was thick darkness and there was fire. Why would they call it that? Because they didn't have anything else to which they could liken it. It was the glorious, shining glory of God. And it was so bright, they didn't know what to call it. Fire. That glory came upon the 120 that day. And I mean, it was amazing. In fact, John the Baptist himself had said it in Matthew 3.11. He said, there's one coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And in fact, you could translate the word chi there that's translated and as an intensive. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, even fire. Saints, we're to shine. You hear what I'm saying to you? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead visibly and audibly manifested himself upon the church. His glory appeared upon his people. Now, I know somebody's going to say, well, Isaiah 42 and 8 says that God will share his glory with no one. That is a direct reference to false gods, not his people. Romans 8 and 17, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, here's the interesting part. In verse 14, he said, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And the word translated sons means grown up, mature, grown up, mature ones. But this is the word for smaller children. So in other words, even if you are not mature, even if you are carnal, even if you're a mess, if you are born again, you are still belonging to him. You are a child of God. And if children, heirs also of God, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may be, what? Glorified with him. Do you want to know why you've had the living stuffings kicked out of you the last 15 years? Is so that like Paul, you would know that when you are weak, now you are strong. And so as things begin to ramp up, as they surely are and as they surely will, it's happening in other parts of the world, but it will come to the United States of America, which has a very hardened heart. The worst part of America is we think we're spiritual. And it's taken a little while to sink in that maybe we ain't as spiritual as we think we are. And I'm speaking of the whole of our, of our nation. So that when the power begins to ramp up, we know who it is. And we don't take that glory unto ourselves. We don't think of ourselves as hot stuff. That's one of the reasons Paul says, don't lay hands on a new believer and put him in a position of responsibility because then you won't be able to get his head through the door. Shh. 
We walk in newness, not just new life, newness. Morning by morning, new mercies we see. The word, that word brings with it the nuance. And this is true because newness, the word is translated newness there. It's a noun and it's not used very many places in the New Testament. In fact, it may only be once. And it has within secular Greek, the understanding of things that are amazing, things that are miraculous, things that are gobsmacking. And the very same anointing that was on Jesus is in some measure on each and every one of us who are baptized in the Spirit. That's why, you know, one of the things that is amazing to me is when people get upset about, you know, they, 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 they lose patience and they, they, what do they do? I've seen so many, so many times they run to some church where the fullness of the Spirit and the power of God is not preached. And we, okay, get saved. Get saved, get saved, not get saved, get filled, get with it. How many of you with me? Because it's, they're, they're, they're not under pressure there. They're not under, and I'm not pointing fingers at anybody and I'm not castigating. I'm just saying I've observed it to be true. I know a lot of people that were in a, were in a spirit-filled Pentecostal on fire church and been it like that now sitting in churches that they don't even preach the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They don't even speech, uh, preach praying in tongues. They don't, even, they don't have prophecy because they don't believe in it. Man, talk about cutting off your nose to spite your face. I, don't want, I want more of God, not less. I want more of this. You know, and we were, I was talking with uh, Jeff this week. And I was saying, man, just get ready for it to get messy. Why? Because God pours his, you know what? It's like, okay, Jesus, I can see the father turning to Jesus. Get ready to pour out the spirit. We're getting ready to go here. And Jesus said, okay, you sure you want to do this? I mean, this is a real bunch down here. I mean, they're a mess. I mean, they're mine, but they're a mess. They know that I'm, this, I'm, that is not actually happening. I'm being facetious. Just make sure everybody understands. But God knows when he pours out his spirit that there's going to be excess. There will be goofiness. There will be things people don't understand. I mean, at the day of Pentecost, some people were saying they're drunk. What were they doing? We're not told. Why? And I'm glad. You know why? Because if we were told what they were doing, we'd have people doing that. Whatever it was, just because they think that's spiritual. You know, if they were laughing, if they were, roll, you know, rolling on the floor. I don't know. I've never seen anybody roll on the floor. I've heard people talk about holy rollers. I've never seen that. I've never seen it. And if I don't ever, I'm okay with it. <laughs> but I mean, whatever God wants to do. I've heard one man talk about going to pray for somebody and, and the guy was on the floor and he stretched out his hand and the Holy Spirit stood the guy back up without him even moving. He said, you know, we get excited when God puts people on the floor. Wait till he starts standing them up. <laughs> I've seen people fall out under the power and hit. I saw a police officer, friend of mine, he wasn't in my department, fall out under the power of God in a meeting. He hit the floor so hard it sounded well, part of it sounded like a sack of bricks, and the other part, it sounded like a ripe melon hitting the floor. And it was not a, it was a wooden floor. It wasn't like concrete. And I thought, oh, Jim, oh, my God. And then he got up, and his hair wasn't even messed up. <laughs> I saw another guy doing something. It was a goofy. He was dancing in the spirit. 
And I kid you not, this is what he was doing. <laughs> Just flapping his wings like a chicken. And then suddenly he stopped. You know, he didn't have a stricken expression on his face. His eyes were closed. And then like two ushers, heavenly ushers, had a hold of him. He went to the ground slowly and gently. There were three of us standing. In fact, Jim was up off of the floor by that time, and he was standing right next to me. He was a cop in another town. I was a cop in Arlington, and he was a cop uh, in, in, another, in another small Texas city. And we were like that, and I looked at him. I said, did you see that? He said, I did. <laughs> and I'm really glad I don't have to write a report <laughs> to my sergeant explaining what I just saw. And I, I, did, I wanted to say, well, how come when you fell it wasn't like that? <laughs> Bam! The very anointing that was on Jesus. We walk in newness of life. No, that does not mean we wake up in a new world every day. I mean, we are renewed. We are to grow spiritually. We are to continue our transformation. And by that's what God is doing in us by his grace. How does he do it? By faith. We're meditating in that word. We are walking in prayer. We are coming and fellowshipping together with other believers and coming into the very presence of God. That's the way we receive it. I remember when I was at ORU, the very first time I went into the Maybe Center for one of our basketball games. Back then, it wasn't the ORU Golden Eagles. It was the Titans. You know, miniature gods, go figure. But anyway, when we walked in, I, my best friend was there with me, and we, we walk, walked in like we looked down, and there was a beautiful court with all the, you know, the wood floor and everything like that. And on each side of it was the ministry motto, expect a miracle. And he said to me, you don't think that's saying something about our team, do you? I just looked at him like, you idiot. I mean, he knew. Do we expect miracles? Do we expect it? Our, do, is our, that was a little while ago when we were worshiping, just at the end of the worship service, I had my hand up like this, and I just felt this desire to just take a hold, and I could actually almost feel something in my hand. And I'm like, oh, God, help us to turn that up. Or help us, to help, help us to let you turn it up more accurately. We should expect the supernatural. And by supernatural, I don't necessarily mean spectacular. So many times we're looking for something spectacular and then miss the supernatural. Because it's a whisper. Oftentimes. Peter spoke of the prophetic being poured forth. Yes, the giving forth of prophecy. I talked to... Uh, someone here recently that travels all over as a part of our fellowship. And this individual told me that the prophetic word has been very, very sparse out there, that they're starting to see a little bit of a, an upsurge in it. I think God wants to speak to us all the time. Now, does that mean we have to have something every single service? No, but I believe that's, I believe that's God. That, when that anointing comes, when, when, when God starts pouring out his spirit, that prophesy, which is edification, exhortation, and consolation, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Amen. We're to be a prophetic people. Yeah. 
And I can hear Jean's thinking this all the way from back there. Not a pathetic people, a prophetic people. And if our musicians would come, we're going to receive communion and get you out of here. Ah, you'll remember the days when we used to be out before noon. And then you'll say, I can remember when we used to get out before noon. And somebody will say, well, those days are long gone. May I encourage you, do not, do not, do not, do not, do not, do not. And again, I say unto thee, do not. Allow yourself to become discouraged. You have something? Give, give her a mic. I don't know if we can get her on a camera. How many of you will give me? Gray mic or purple, whichever one. How many of you will give me about an hour? <laughs> <laughs> Is it on? I don't know. Testing. It's not turned on at the board. How about now? Testing. There we go. Okay. Well, how many will be willing to give me a few minutes? I want you to listen to what the Lord wants to say to us this morning. Because I heard it last week in the prophetic, and I heard it this morning in the prophetic. And when God says that he depends on you, that's what he meant. And if you have time this week or this afternoon, I want you to look at some of the miracles in the Bible. And you just said you'd like to see miracles, right? Well, he wants to give you miracles. Feed on that, feed on that, feed on that, yeah. And he wants, he depends on you for miracles. You say, well, Jesus, does he depend on me? Well, how many of you have physically seen Jesus walking around here this morning? <laughs> Anybody? He is not physically here. And so he depends on us to do things. I'll give you one example. In the Bible, when the man was very ill and he was on his cot and the building was full, Jesus was there. And they couldn't get the man inside because the building was full. And so his friends, his four friends, went up on the roof and they tore a hole and they put the cot down inside and Jesus touched him and made him absolutely whole. Hallelujah. Jesus could not have done that without a servant. And we're his servants. We're his hands. We're his feet. We do what he tells us to do. And I'm going to tell you now, the reason you don't see miracles, you don't believe you can. You don't believe, oh, you, can, you, don't believe you can do that. Oh, me. If you did, we would, and I did, we would see more miracles because we would be servants. And Jesus, who is not here 
in, physically is right there in the spirit to do. He stands right by us. He knows you can't do it. He knows I can't do it. And now I'm going to tell you the cure. <laughs> How many of you really want to do something for the Lord, but you just sometimes just simply can't believe what he's asking you to do? <laughs> Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever been in a restaurant when you saw somebody that was very ill and uh, the Lord said, I want you to go over there and uh, lay hands on them and tell them they're well? How many of you do it? Why don't you do it? Because you really don't believe it. He wouldn't tell me to do that. Well, I'm going to give you a cure that you'll leave here this morning different if you'll do it. And that is, if you absolutely can't believe it, there is a principle that God gives us that goes far beyond believing. And that is, are you ready? Obedience. Obedience. Just obey the Lord. Amen. Even if you don't believe it, and he knows you don't. <laughs> we don't hide anything from God. He knows all about what we're thinking, what we're doing, but the Lord has really shown me that. And it, it about obedience. If we can't believe it, just do it. Just do it. Be obedient and see what God will do in your life. Amen. And then we'll come to church, and next Sunday morning, we will all be so happy. We'll be doing like Kathy said in her prophecy this morning, and that was God. We'll be leaping and jumping and praising God because we have seen something happen. In the Lord. Now, let's go one step further. If you don't see the answer right at the time that you have prayed for someone or done something for someone, that doesn't matter because you were obedient. It's up to God to do what the rest Amen. of that. I was in a restaurant one time. There was a baby had a uh, feeding tube. And the Lord told me to go pray for that baby. <laughs> and I got up and I went over and I asked the parents if I, uh, if I could pray for their child. And they said yes. And I prayed for that baby. Never saw the baby before. Never will probably ever see the baby. But I obeyed God. And I believe that that baby was healed because I was obedient. And the Lord just said, share that this morning. Amen. That when he says that the walls are down and what we have to do is enter in, that means we've got to go over the walls into a brand new 
life. Newness, we talk about newness of life. God wasn't kidding. He's got some new things that we don't know anything about. But we have got to step by faith over into that and see him do it. And, and I just, everything that I heard, I heard this morning through the prophecies that were given and through the ministry of the word tells me that God wants to do something special in this church. Amen. He wants to do something for you, with you. He depends on you. And if you can't believe it, obey him. Just obey him and see what God will do in your life. Amen. Well, that was worth the time. Hallelujah. We're going to receive communion, but I want to come back because I was in my fifth or sixth do not. Do not, do not, do not, do not, do not, do not, do not become or allow the enemy to discourage you. Discouragement and heaviness are on our nation and our world today like I have never seen it. And it's because of the heaviness, the thick darkness. But we are light. We repel darkness. Everybody say amen. We do not become just... You got to believe that the glory of God is on you. You don't go by what you feel. You know it. You know it from the scripture. Are you with me here? And Paul, Paul even says it in 2 Corinthians 3. But we, verse 18, but we all with unveiled face, unlike Moses, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. When you look at a mirror, when you look into a mirror, who do you see? You see you, and he says here, we beholding as in the mirror, the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord, whether you can physically see it or not, is on you. The demons see it. The angels see it. We walk in it. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Let's keep reading. The glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. When Jesus said, wait, he knew what was coming, but he didn't tell them. They had to wait by faith. Amen. Wow. And he will continue. I'm telling you, he's going to do greater things in our day than he did even then. Praise God. We walk by faith in the resurrection power every day of our God. We hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app, Independence Christian Center, on your cell phone available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play. You can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook, again, under Independence Christian Center, or at our website, iccfamily.org, iccfamily.org. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.